0: Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herff Jones. Varsity Brands. Elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing and vital signs bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Today, we're going international. Uh, we're visiting with Shannon Clausen. She is the Executive Director of the CIAAA, the Canadian Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Uh, she works out of the British Columbia area, but she has a tremendous background as an athlete, as a coach, and as an administrator, and we're excited to have her. Shannon, thanks for being on the program.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, chat with you today.
0: Uh, well, we're looking forward to uh, hearing what's going on um, uh, in the Great White North. So uh, we always like to let our guests, excuse me, let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, you know, where you went to school and college, and maybe how your love of sports led you to your current position.
1: For sure. For sure. So I grew up in a super small town um, in British Columbia called Agassiz, BC. Um, Not many people have ever heard of it. Tiny little town. My high school was um, grade seven to 12, and we were about 300 people. Um, So super small. Um, I kind of After high school was looking um, at different universities and really my goal was to get out of the small town and and try something new and go to a big city. So I went to the University of Calgary, um, where I completed a degree in communications, um, kind of while in Calgary and and, um, in my kind of sport career, I grew up as a swimmer, um, also a downhill skier. Um, Swimming was my primary sport and I kind of carried that throughout uh, my high school days. I also kind of participated in um, high school field hockey and basketball and track and field. Um, When I kind of, when I came to university, I stopped competing as an athlete um, and decided to focus a little bit more on school. Um, Within the first year, I decided that I I missed sport and wanted to come back to it, so I started coaching. Um, So I've kind of coached all the way through high school and I coached through um, with the University of Calgary swimming program. So it's kind of, I've kept sport involved in my life the whole way through. Um, upon graduation, I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my communications degree. Um, so I took some time and I actually went traveling in Australia and took some time away and tried to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and when I came back, um, I had an opportunity pop up here back in British Columbia um, with the local provincial association. So it was BC School Sports, um, which is the equivalent to a state high school association um, in America and so I kind of I jumped at that opportunity it brought me back to BC where I could be closer to home again um, so I was the manager of sport with BC school sports for four years um, worked with school sport loved every minute of it I was able to continue coaching um, while being in school sport which was great Um, And then, kind of, it brought me to a point um, in kind of my job and and where I was thinking was all I've ever done is sport in my life, and I should take some time away and see if I like something else. Um, So I actually took a year away from sports and left BC School Sports to go work for a local independent school. Um, So still have kids in the school, um, but I worked in the admissions office. So working through enrolling students into the school and and working through big events and things like that. Um, And then, kind of, it, it. The CIAA position popped up um, and it made me realize I missed sport and wanted to come back. Um, So I kind of popped back into the sporting world with the CIAA, which is great. And it's been it's been wonderful since I started the role. Um, I I was familiar with the CIAA before um, starting the role as when I worked for BC School Sports. I was part of the strategic planning team for the CIAA, kind of right before I transitioned out of the role. So it was it was kind of like coming back home and I'm excited to be back in the position with the CIAA.
0: Yeah, that's. I always enjoy hearing these stories, and uh, um, there's always, or not always, but u- usually there's some kind of parallel. Um, you know, I remember in my own career, I was the athletic director and the head football coach at a school. Uh, loved it, and was approached by actually the, the our faculty. We had had some turnover in our dean of students position, and they thought that my uh, football coach mentality would be a good fit. Hey, anyway, long story short. Um, I became the dean for two years, really uh, enjoyed working with that group of students. And I think we did a a lot of good. Uh, After two years, I was approached by another school. They were looking for an athletic director. And what I found was that I really liked being a dean, but I loved being an athletic director. And so sometimes you do have to step away to, uh, to see where your heart really is.
1: Exactly. I didn't think I knew what I was missing until I actually left. And and it was clear I wanted to come back. So so it was great to have the opportunity to do so.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shannon, in our profession, we always talk about the importance of leadership, and especially mentoring. So I've asked all of our guests, you know, who are some of your mentors, either, you know, maybe teachers or coaches growing up or people that you've worked with or worked for? Uh, the expression I like to use is, I still hear those voices in my head when I'm talking with a kid or a coach or sometimes a parent. So whose voice do you still hear?
1: 100%, um, there's three people that kind of come to the mind right right from the start. Um, the first one being my high school principal. Um, she's somebody that encouraged me to kind of step out of my my comfort zone and, and push myself to get out of the small town and, and try and kind of broaden my horizons. And she's somebody that I still kind of talk to mm-hmm. daily and I'm and very, very close with. And, She's somebody that gives me wisdom and and is able to guide me through important decisions in my life which has been super beneficial. Um, the second one being the executive director of BC School Sports, um, his name's Jordan Abney so I worked for him for, for four years and he just he taught me a ton um, about how to handle difficult situations and navigate um, tough times and and kind of grow as a person in my role um, interesting fact he's actually the he was the first executive director of the AI AAA way back when it started um, he was one of the founding teams and uh, the AI AAA which was the Alberta Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association morphed into the CI AAA so um, he's got roots back in in the in the role that I'm in now so it, it's kind of neat to see it come full circle he's now on our board so uh, I still work with him uh quite closely and it, it's been great to kind of continue that relationship. And the last one would be, um, my swim coach, my, from kind of growing up, my swim coach, Mitch McCormick, um, taught me so much about who I am as a person and teamwork and leadership and sportsmanship. And he's actually the person who inspired me after I was done swimming to, to start coaching, um, and I fell in love with the sport again, as a coach, um, and inspiring other, other swimmers and, and seeing what I could do to help grow them as people.
0: Again, I I just love to hear these stories. And it's just, I think it's a great reminder for all of us that we didn't get here on our own, you know, that we had people that were helping us and pushing us and uh, sometimes kicking us in the butt when we needed it. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) And it's it's great that you still have a relationship with those folks. Um, Shannon, you are uh, the executive director of a national organization. And for our listeners, uh, we're recording this on March 3rd. And I think Shannon's only been on the job for a few months now, so kind of walk us through that. Uh, you know, maybe the a little bit about the the interview process, and then first, you know, couple of days on the job. Um, you know, what was your uh, you know hundred day plan uh, or or uh, approach to to taking on such a, a monumental task?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind to be honest. I I think I officially started on on the job January 11th. Um, so I've been in the role for about a a couple months now. Um, kind of the, the interview process was super interesting because we are in a COVID time and can't gather with anybody. So it was, uh, it was quite intensive, which was great. Um, and we kind of went through a series of zoom calls with a group of, um, with a group of the board members and, and written submissions and things like that. Um, so it's been, it's been great. It allowed me to get to know the board more. Um, kind of in the transition right when it started I spent a lot of time um, on Zoom um, with the previous executive director Drew um, and we worked together to work through kind of how the organization's operating um, kind of next steps strategic planning um, and kind of since I've taken over my my big monumental task kind of first kind of 100 days first thing to get done is shifting our national conference to an online format Um, it's only ever been in person Last year, COVID canceled it, unfortunately, so this year we are shifting online, Um, so that's been my huge kind of first starting task um, to kind of navigate all of those challenges and figure out how we're going to host our conference in April, but uh, everything's going well, and I'm super excited for it, uh, with it coming up quickly now.
0: Yeah, that's got to be exciting. Uh, I I remember a year ago at this time, uh, my position in Florida was the president-elect, and it's was my job to organize our state conference. And uh, long story short, you know COVID came in and we made the decision to cancel. And then um, uh, probably a couple of weeks later, um, we you know ended up organizing uh, a series of 20 Zoom conferences or workshops. Uh, just, you know, hey, can you present on this day? And it, it was very well received. I think we were probably one of the first to do that. So uh, I know exactly what you're going through. And you have even more to do doing a full conference rather than just a, a series of workshops. How's the response been from your CIAA members?
1: Yeah, since since shifting online to COVID, the CIAA membership um, has taken advantage. Um, they've had a little bit more time on their hands and things so we've had higher course registrations than we've ever seen um, which has been great and the conference response has been the same we're well ahead of um, registration numbers from the past and it's been nice because we're able to reach um, more athletic directors from across the country not um, just kind of where our local conference is going to be we've been able to reach people all the way over to Quebec and hopefully we'll branch out to to Newfoundland as well, and some of our prairie provinces and Atlantic provinces, but our, our response so far has been great, so it's been very positive to see that, that athletic directors are taking the time for professional development and to get involved in the No,
0: uh, Again, it's got to be an exciting time, and uh, you know, I'm anxious to see how uh, you know one of our own Florida ADs, uh, John Scromolo, does with his presentation. I know he's going to do great, and your ADs are going to love it. He is one of the gurus on you know, branding and marketing and social media. So uh, that'll be a great workshop for you.
1: That's the exciting part. We're able to bring in speakers um, from other parts of the world that we've never been able to bring in before. And it's, it's easier they're not having to uh, compete with tournaments and things that are happening in, in other parts of the world right now. So it, it's been great. We've been able to expand um, our workshop and presenter base through, through the online conference this year.
0: Okay. Well, all the best moving forward. And, uh, you know, we're going to be keeping an eye on that. Uh, We both talked a little bit about COVID. And uh, again, we're coming up on the one year anniversary. So uh, if you could um, share uh, what's happening, let's say locally, you know, British Columbia area, as well as nationally, if you can, uh, not just with return to play, but also return to school academics, Um, you know, what can you share with us about COVID in Canada?
1: For sure. So, so each of our provinces is, is very different um, on how they're dealing with COVID. Um, locally in, in BC, where I'm at, our, our students have been back in school since September, um, just kind of in smaller cohorts and smaller learning groups. Everybody is masked, um, but sport has not returned in British Columbia. Um, in the school system, there has been no competition, um, no inter-school play, no scrimmages of any kind. Um, they have started to allow some practices to happen, but in a very controlled, physically distant way. Um, all of our championships and things have been cancelled. Um, spring, I think, is still kind of, it's out there. It hasn't been cancelled yet, but I would be very surprised if it happened um, at this point with um, with the restrictions that are in place here in British Columbia. Um And then if if we start to move kind of across provinces, Alberta is very much the same. They have not had any competition um, whatsoever. Our our provincial associations are trying to be creative and create virtual competition and things like that to get students involved. Um, I mean, it's not the same, but it's something for our students. And they've been able to start to practice a little bit, which is great. Um, Moving out kind of further, we've had there has been some competition out kind of Newfoundland area um, out in our Atlantic provinces they've had a little bit lower COVID numbers they were able to have a little bit of competition but I believe that has stopped again now um, as COVID's kind of starting our numbers are starting to creep up again so there's really been no competition if any um, throughout Canada this year um, I would be very surprised if it's uh, if it popped up in the spring I think we're kind of looking for a a full relaunch back in, um, back in the fall again in September would be our goal, I think, at this point. It'd be great if we can squeeze something in in the spring, but I highly doubt it. Um, but at least our kids are back in class and they are learning with their friends again. And that's what we've been hearing is is has been great for them. And they're just happy to be there.
0: So that decision to, you know, let's say return to normal, you know, as far as sports, that's going to take place at the uh, provincial level
1: yeah, so it's different in each province. So each kind of province has a provincial health officer, and they're the one that is managing that. Um, so yeah, it's going to come at a provincial level. I know a lot of the executive directors from the provincial, um, the provincial high school athletic association bodies are, are working closely with those people to see what they can do to bring sport back um, in a school setting. It's it's funny, because um, our schools are getting frustrated, they're they're tired, and and they really want to have kids participating again. And and some club programs um, outside of the school are allowed to participate. So, so it's frustrating for them to, we're in class and we're here with our kids. Why can't we do something? Um, but uh, I mean, I think they just need to remember how lucky we are and to continue to stay positive with their kids and, and do practices and work on skills and things like that. Uh, there's other things they can do at this time to be creative, which, which they've started to do, which is great to see.
0: Yeah, uh, just so critical to maintain those connections, you know, with your student-athletes that it's hard to find those anywhere else in the school system. Uh, And then you touched on, you know, the aspect of club sports. Um, You know, we've seen that in a couple of states down here that still are not doing sports that, you know, the clubs are beginning to draw, um, you know, student-athletes to their program. So all the best, uh, you know, moving forward with
1: that. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're hoping we get to a, a, no, a new normal, I guess is going to be the correct term for a while here soon, and we can return to play in some capacity.
0: Right. Um, Shannon, one of the things we've tried to do with the podcast is to share this idea of best practices. And uh, I know you're not at a school right now, but again, we've talked about your background as an athlete, as a coach, and now um, obviously, your fingers on the pulse of all things Canada. What are some best practices that you have seen either at schools where you've been a coach or maybe at other schools that you've been involved with uh, that you can share with uh, our listeners? You know, uh, what's a couple of things that, you know, as you've seen these uh, initiatives in place, maybe it was with students or maybe it was with parents, uh, what's a couple of things that you go, wow? this is really, really good.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think probably the the main thing that kind of opened my eyes and I thought it was kind of great was um, building the school community around, um, around their sports teams and around what's happening in the school. And it, it fosters this great sense of pride in the school and the sports team and kind of the community around it s- supports the school sports team. So maybe whether it be a a orange and blue day for your, the days that your, your, um, your teams are competing and whether it be a pep rally leading up to it and creating kind of a school community and culture that kind of helps the team through, through the season. And it creates a super positive and sporting environment for our students. And it teaches them all the sportsmanship and resiliency. It teaches them how to interact um, with not just their teammates, but other members of the school and the community who are out to support them. And it's, it's, been a, it's been a kind of eye-opening to see the school that I worked at previously, how involved their parents and their student body and their teachers were in supporting the teams and helping them succeed and, and showing them their support, whether it be through a bake sale, whether it be through a pep rally, whether it be through creating signs or just seeing them off and cheering them when they leave on their bus. Um, I think creating that school community and culture and positive, positivity around school sport been great to see and it it really helps the school it brings the school together and it shows people who are not just on the sports teams um how to how to become better people so it's it's an educational tool and it shows leadership within the school community and i've seen that um and it's amazing how how a school can kind of rally and come together and become a community
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Just as you see that take place and grow and, and, you know, you nurture that, uh, it's just incredible to watch, you know, the impact that it does have on, as you mentioned, all those constituents, you know, your students, your teachers, the coaches and the the parents, you know, great stuff. Okay. Shannon, I know you've only been on the job for a couple months, but uh, I'm going to ask you, you know, what's, Something that surprised you, uh, maybe challenged you that you didn't expect? And then also, you know, uh, what are some of your favorite parts about being the executive director so far?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think probably one of the biggest surprises um, coming into the role was how welcoming and supportive everybody was. Um, I wasn't anticipating that as soon as I came into the role, everybody wanted to chat and talk and and discuss what's going on and how they can help the CIAA and become involved and and it was it was really enlightening to know that I was not alone in this, and that there was other others out there to support me, and they wanted to know how they could help and and help push the CIAAA forward, not just um, where we have member provinces, but across the whole country. So I was super excited. Um, it made the transition into the role a lot easier, knowing I had that support system out there, which was great. Um, and it's been it's been a good transition, and I was really happy to know that there was their support and interest in the CIAA for sure. Um, Kind of my goals for the CIAA moving forward, um, I would say is trying to increase the number of courses and professional development opportunities we have for our athletic directors and and trying to find times that work for them. Um, I'd also love to see us try and support new and incoming athletic directors and create resources and courses for new athletic directors who just come into the job and say, what do I do? I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I need some help. Um, so trying to create a network and a support system for, for those people um, to help as a membership benefit for them. So they have somewhere to turn and reach to. Um, and I'd also, I'd also love to see us um, grow opportunities for a membership. Maybe we create a, a monthly networking opportunity for athletic directors. something along those lines i'd love to kind of increase our 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 member benefits um to bring our athletic directors together and and see how we can grow as an organization and an association across canada
0: Uh, it sounds really really exciting and it's a great transition into uh, you know our final talking point um we always end the show with what we call the athletic directors toolbox and once again you you have great experience as an athlete, as a coach, you know, you're leading a national organization. So right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Shannon Clausen's athletic director toolbox?
1: Good question. I think I think the first one would be a list of all of the athletic directors' names and contacts in their area people that they can ask questions and reach out to and, and know that they're not alone um, in the role and that there is other people out there to help them. Um, I think that would be super beneficial, um, especially starting out. I think the other thing they need to have is a positive attitude and, and an open mind. Um, moving forward, they need to kind of be open to what's out there and listen to new ideas and, and maybe what's in their school isn't working and they have to change it, but the, just being that positive attitude and, and presence in their school is gonna help them go a long way. Um, And I think the last one is going to be um, when the CIAA has it, a a taking the first year athletic director course, kind of a crash course on what you need to know for being a first year athletic director, um, both within your provincial association and and being an athletic director in your school and your school district and giving them in that course, all the tips and tricks and trades that they need to know to help them survive that first year, almost as a survival guide, as you will
0: great great stuff uh, and again always coming back to that theme of you know professional development and uh, connecting Shannon if one of our listeners wanted to reach out to you and uh, pick your brain about CIAA or you know different things uh, what's the best way they can get a hold of you
1: best way to get a hold of me um, is through our website uh, ci there's a there's a contact us form um, and it directly links to my email and they can kind of ask me anything through there, which is great. Um, my direct email as well is Shannon at ciAAA.ca.
0: Okay, outstanding. So again, go to the website and check it out. It's it's actually uh, very well done, you know, ciAA.ca. okay. Shannon, thanks so much for uh, being on the program and all the best uh, as we move forward, uh, you know, into full reopenings for not just Canada, but for everyone.
1: Thank you. It was great to be be here and I'm excited to see kind of where the CIAA can go.
0: Okay. Well, remember, uh, listeners, these Zoom recordings are also being uploaded to the FIAA Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. And until next time, thanks for tuning in to the Educational AD Podcast. You take care and uh, hopefully we'll be chatting soon.
1: For sure. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye.